Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Brett McCracken telling us to beware of the temptation to pursue respectability as a Christian in the world. Even myself in certain seasons in my past where because I knew that saying certain things or aligning myself with certain biblical positions would basically like close doors for me in terms of advancing in the world of art and entertainment. I I, I was maybe too quiet or, or too ashamed of certain aspects of my faith. Brett McCracken next. number of seemingly valid reasons, believers can find themselves in search of cultural acceptance, or in a word, respectability. What's wrong with that? It's a good thing, right? Well, Gospel Coalition senior editor Brett McCracken says as we pursue credibility among the cool and the applause of men, we are heading in the direction of theological compromise and spiritual atrophy. He's written about it in his piece, Beware the Corrosive Quest for Respectability. Brett, what triggered or prompted you to write about this subject? You know, um, just kind of a window into our world as TGC editors. We meet as editors once a week to discuss ideas and kind of what we're seeing out there in the Christian world that we might want to comment on or write about. And we had this whole discussion about this dynamic of um, Christians, especially in the Western kind of post-Christian context. We're outsiders culturally. We're much maligned and, you know, it kind of creates this chip on the shoulder where we, we want cultural capital. We want cultural respectability. But that dynamic, you know, we've observed it as being you know, problematic because when you are trying to gain the approval of a non-Christian or anti-Christian, sometimes culture, you will inevitably kind of soften things or, you know, disown aspects of Mm -hmm. biblical faith in order to be palatable and acceptable, you know, by that culture. So it was just kind of a, a dynamic that we have observed and it's nothing new it's kind of like a tale as old as time. This is this is always a dynamic, I think, for Christians in whatever culture they're in. This tension of wanting to be faithful to biblical Christianity, but being in a cultural context where it feels good to be accepted and it feels good to be affirmed by, by um, non-Christians. And so we're always fighting this temptation, but we just thought like, it'd be good to, to write about this and, and kind of challenge Christians in this current cultural moment to resist that temptation, um, even even though we acknowledge it's a, it's a very real, uh, pervasive temptation for all of us, you know, myself included. Well, you've written about it, and, and, and you've commented on this, you've written about it a number of times before, even in a really mm-hmm. something of a book-length treatment of it, Hipster yes. Christianity. Mm-hmm. Talk yeah. about that. Yeah, that book was really um, addressing this question head on in in terms of the kind of the particular question of being cool in the culture and being considered kind of uh, relevant, quote unquote, to the culture, being an insider um, rather than an outsider. Mm -hmm. And I had just observed in the early kind of 
early 2000s to the 2010 period, this kind of trend of like hipster churches and pastors, you know, wearing skinny jeans and getting tattoos and trying to, <laughs> trying to be hip and relevant. And, you know, it's just kind of cringy and it, it speaks to this bigger dynamic that's, that this article is talking about, the, the unhealthy desire for cultural respectability and how corrosive that is for us spiritually and in terms of our witness in the world. Now, at what point, and, and we're going to obviously look at this from a number of different angles, but you, you say that our, our desire for respectability, in, in one sense, it can be a good thing. We don't want to be disrespected, although, it, again, that's a question we'll be looking at. It depends upon what the, what the basis of that is. But you say that our desire for respectability can be an idol. Mm-hmm. How, how so? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, I think there are, like, you know, good practical motivations at play with evangelicals and in some of these situations like evangelicals are all about getting the gospel out there and you know getting into positions of influence in our culture whether that's the media or um, you know just hollywood you know there is this dynamic of in order to influence people broadly for the cause of christ it can be helpful to kind of rise up in the halls of power, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that there is validity to that, and I can understand that line of argument, but it just almost always, you know, it it never goes well in that pursuit because inevitably there will come a moment when you, there's an impasse with like the culture you're trying to gain a foothold in requires you to, assent to a certain thing that your faith doesn't allow you to, or you're, you're basically forced to not talk about that, that one thing in the Bible that we don't like to talk about in our secular culture, you know, usually Mm -hmm. related to sexuality or something like that. And so I think that we just have to be careful, even if it's a good desire and there can be ways that we can kind of strategically, um, be present in influential vocations and workplaces in our culture as Christians. We just have to be okay with the fact that, you know, there might come a moment when we sacrifice advancement up the ladder wherever we are because our faithfulness to the Bible requires us to draw a line in the sand, you know. And so it's that just kind of equation of, you know, being willing to sacrifice potential success and potential respectability in the culture because our our faithfulness to to Jesus, you know, is the ultimate thing that drives us. Well, my guest today on His People is uh, Brett McCracken, and uh, we're talking to him about his piece, Beware the Corrosive Quest for Respectability. He is Senior Editor and Director of Communications at the Gospel uh, Coalition. You've talked about this to some extent, Brett, but what are some of the main motivations which might steer Christians to seek respectability? I mean, a a lot of those are good, right? Yeah, like I said, I think think a lot of it does just stem from well-intentioned desires for evangelistic influence, you know, and and that is a good instinct to want to have the you know a, a, a big platform 
from which to spread the gospel. And so, so that's a good starting place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the, the path from there is, is just fraught with potential hazards <laughs> that you have to be careful about. Uh, and that's what the article's getting at. Uh, on the other hand, I think there can also be really just inherently um, bad motivations for cultural respectability that are just kind of our sinful flesh wanting affirmation, you know? So I think if we're honest, some of us are driven more by that, just kind of the fleshly (laughs) desire to be affirmed by the culture and to be liked for applause, so to speak. That feels good, right? That, That kind of accumulation of Instagram likes and retweets like that feels good. Yep. <laughs> but that's like a fleshly thing that I think can be very corrosive for our souls to get so attached to the the favor of man that we forget that God's favor ultimately matters more and we need to obey him and his word sometimes over against the approval or disapproval of fellow humans. Well, you're right, and this is really interesting, that this temptation for Christians to seek respectability in Western culture, the U.S., the U.K., and other Mm -hmm. places, is especially pronounced in three spheres, you say, uh, in uh, arts, culture, and entertainment, in academia, and in the media. And if if we could Mm -hmm. take a little bit of a look at how that Mm -hmm. kind of fleshes out in each of those, uh, first arts, culture, and entertainment, why is it so pronounced there? Yeah, and I picked these these three spheres because I have personal experience in each of them, and so I've seen this dynamic play out in my own heart, right? Mm. In my own in my own desire as a Christian in these spheres to want to be respected and to want to advance, you know, to the upper echelons of <laughs> success. Mm-hmm. So I'm speaking from experience with these. So yeah, in the arts, you know, I've spent a fair amount of time in the world of kind of arts and especially out here in Southern California with Hollywood and film and television. And I, I just think that we, we all know these, these industries especially tend to be very secular, very hostile to traditional Christianity. And so Christians in these industries, I think that the pressure is especially strong to really pl- play down <laughs> the aspects of Christian faith that um, our culture doesn't like. Uh, it's okay to be a Christian as long as you, you know, don't talk about certain aspects of <laughs> right. the Bible. And so I've just seen I've seen this play out often in friends of mine, in you know, even myself in certain seasons in my past where be- because I knew that saying certain things or aligning myself with certain biblical positions would basically like close doors for me in terms of advancing in the world of art and entertainment. I, I, I was maybe too quiet or, or too ashamed of certain aspects of my faith. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's just a dynamic that I see all the time in the arts and in academia too, you know, it's very similar um, in, in the world of uh, higher education these days in academic culture so much of it is about building your kind of CV and your academic gaining favor in whatever uh, academic discipline you're in. If you're a faculty member, you know, who's a Christian in whatever, whatever discipline. And so I, I, I spent enough time at Christian colleges. I went to Wheaton College. I, I worked at Biola for a number of years. But I've just seen this dynamic of, you know, the Christian college stigma is something that you know 
faculty members in particular are kind of like squeamish about and they want to like gain credibility in the broader academic world. And I just think, you know, it's that's not healthy. And sometimes it's good to just own who you are as a Christian institution, warts and all, you know, the things, the things about Christianity that your colleagues and secular colleagues aren't going to like, but you're unashamed of because it's who you are. And, and just to ask you, and I know you want to move along to the media part too, but yeah. uh, in, in academia and people that have not been uh, aware of Christian education, Christian higher education, colleges and universities may not mm-hmm. be aware of this so much, but you say there is a, a sort of a stigma of the so-called evangelical mind that doesn't have a good reputation, that the, the life yeah. of the mind, intellectual rigor perhaps is not yeah. considered particularly, uh, uh, held particularly high at some of these yeah. schools. Yeah, you know, uh, Mark Knoll, a uh, Christian historian, wrote the book, The Scandal of the Evangelical Mind, and I think that book kind of sums up this chip on our shoulder, which evangelicals in academia tend to have, that there's this stereotype that the evangelical mind is pretty anemic, and there's evidence that it kind of has been in you know certain decades in the 20th century. So I think there's a lot of um, internal kind of shame about that that leads Christians in academia to want to like counter that narrative and, and offer an example of robust uh, scholarship, but sometimes that desire eclipses our faithfulness a little bit, and we just have to be careful that that doesn't happen. And then in yeah. the, in the media, you say that is another area where uh, yeah. the, the temptation for Christians to seek uh, that respectability is especially pronounced. What, what what's happening? Are you, are you meaning mainly social media? I'm meaning media of every sort. You know, in the in the online kind of algorithm driven media landscape that we're in um, just there's this really unhelpful dynamic that like the things that gain likes and big audiences and platforms that expand tend to be the things that align with a very specific extreme you know Mm. we see this in politics especially like you know the the pundits and the podcasts and the influencers who go all in on one extreme or the other tend to be the ones that develop big followings because that's just the way that the algorithms work. It's the way that the internet works. Like anyone who's like kind of nuanced or like sees both sides (laughs) isn't going to get a big following. And, you know, I've worked in the media industry for long enough to know that that's true. And it's a huge temptation, you know, even at the gospel coalition where I'm, I'm always like having to check my heart in terms of, am I writing this article for, you know, to be red meat for a very specific extreme end of the audience? Or am I willing to write this article in such a way that I offer a little bit of red meat to that audience, but I also challenge that audience in ways they're not going to (laughs) like? That's the type (laughs) of writing I want to do. But it's not going to get huge numbers because it's you know it's not like a hundred percent agreeing with one audience or another, and I think the, the the way that this relates to the desire for respectability is if we're driven primarily by respectability with any any audience out there, we will resist saying hard things to that audience. You know, you're not you don't gain a an audience's respect by challenging them and prodding them in, in areas and reminding them of 
maybe <laughs> areas where they've been inconsistent or uh, hypocritical, uh, you gain you gain their respect by patting them on the back and affirming them. And that's what what's happening in our media culture that's so toxic is on every end of every spectrum, you have all these channels and media personalities who are only ever affirming their audience and never challenging them. And so they're gaining, quote, respect and, you know, applause from those audiences, but at the cost of convictions and consistency and truth, <laughs> oftentimes. So... Well, the piece that you wrote is beware the corrosive quest for respectability, and you're, you're explaining to us a number of places, a number of realms uh, where this is particularly pronounced, but you say there are some signs that if we're wondering uh, in ourselves, like, hmm, I, I, don't, I don't think I'm motivated by that, but you say there are some signs that we might have that unhealthy hunger for respectability. But what are some of those? Yeah, the big one that I talk about in the article is kind of if we find ourselves constantly like apologizing for other Christians and, and basically distancing ourselves from, you know, I'm not one of those Christians that you're thinking of. Like, you know, I'm a different sort of Christian. And in whether it's like in the arts realm, you know, you might be a Christian who wants to be respected in the arts. And so you have to constantly say, I'm not like that cheesy Christian art that you see at the, at the mall, you know, in Thomas Kincaid stores. Like, <laughs> I'm not like that cheesy faith-based film that's so poorly made. Like, I'm quality. I'm like prestige. And, and I think in, in any of these spheres where Christians are trying to gain, gain credibility, that there, ha there has to be this move away from the worst aspects of Christians. And so I think you if we're just honest with that, if we find ourselves doing that, it's probably a sign that we're valuing the credibility and, and respectability in the eyes of the world more than we're valuing fellowship, you know, in the body of Christ, because ultimately Christ calls his followers to love one another, not to badmouth one another to make themselves look good, which I feel like happens all the time on social media in any given day, Christians just like virtue signaling that they're not one of those other Christians that's saying that crazy thing. <laughs> and so it's not that we can never push back against each other as Christians mm -hmm. or challenge each other and disagree. I think that's fine, but it's a really bad look, I think, for the world to see Christians trying to elevate their own status by basically bashing other Christians who they don't want to associate with. And that uh, bashing or criticizing of other Christians, as you say, to gain respectability, I'm not like, well, not like those weird ones over there where I'm, I'm this yeah. kind of Christian, but one of the uh, consequences, and we've seen this over the last few years, is, uh, but I want you to talk about it, of course, because you see it so much from where you write there, but that of uh, the division and the polarization and the, the, the yeah. dissension uh, in, in the church. Totally. Yeah. I mean, this dynamic is wreaking havoc on unity and, uh, you know, coalitions within Christianity. I work for the Gospel Coalition, and we've seen that even in our own coalition. It's been, social media has made it really hard for us to maintain the bonds of unity with people who slightly disagree on things because 
again, the media structure, the algorithms are, are incentivizing us to go all in on very specific niche kind of tribes mm-hmm. and, and resist kind of a more nuanced attempt at building coalitions and unity in the body of Christ. And so, yeah, it's hard. And I think that in this post-Christian cultural moment that we're in where secularization is on the rise, like just outright pagan kind of spirituality is on the rise. We Christians like need to stop focusing our energies as much on fighting each other and find ways that we can partner to bring the hope of the gospel to our lost culture. And that's not to diminish differences that we have with one another. Again, as Christians, we should be able to hash these things out Mm -hmm. internally, but it's if we're just constantly seen like bashing each other and throwing other Christians under the bus because we we somehow want our version of Christianity to be respected in the eyes of the world. Um, I just don't think that's a helpful strategy. I, I think you too point out something to the effect that um, trying to gain respectability in the eyes of the world ultimately is kind of a losing battle because yeah. once people find out that oh you believe that same sort of thing that that yeah. those people that those christians you dismissed believe all of a sudden sooner or later yeah. they realize you're you're in the same camp there you go <laughs> yeah no it, i mean at the end of the day like you can gain all the respect in the world from elite cultural authorities but if push comes to shove and they ask you point blank do you actually believe what the Bible is saying here about this topic, fill in the blank topic, like you will be forced to answer. And your choice in that moment is either just deny the confession of your faith completely for the sake of maintaining credibility or speak the truth. Yes, I do believe the Bible says that and risk losing favor with that influential, you know, powerful figure in culture. And so all the like, distancing that you try to do or posturing yourself as like not that christian i'm not that that christian well you are a christian still and you do believe things still that that are not popular and so how will you answer directly when asked you know whether you believe those things it's going to come down to that well brett uh, mccracken is my guest uh he's with the gospel coalition and he wrote the piece uh, beware the corrosive quest for respectability you can find it at the gospel coalition dot org and brett toward the end of the piece and of course people can read this but toward the end of uh the piece you have four suggestions which is really good that you do uh to resist the temptation of mm-hmm. respectability because pr- pretty obviously it's it's in i would imagine all of us we all like to be liked we all want to be respected yes. whether we're at in our work situations or in our family among our friends or recreational pursuits, or whatever it is, where we may find the temptations really strong. What What are these suggestions you give to to, to help us out? Yeah, I, the the four that I give, and I think each of these four is is a beautiful thing. And I'm trying to show that there's a better way, there's a more satisfying way here. And so the first one is strive for excellence, not respectability. We can still be excellent and and do that for God's glory. What we can't control is man's approval. So be excellent wherever God places you in whatever industry or sphere. The second one is pursue truth, not talking points. We live in this world of 
where the narrative on whatever side you're in is more mm -hmm. important than truth. And Christians need to be committed to truth and reality. And we need to see that as a life-giving thing for the world, siding with truth over against whatever talking points are going to gain us credibility with a certain audience. And third one is be dis disrespected for the right reasons. Um, and in th this one I'm talking about, like, none of what I'm saying here is an excuse to just be a jerk and like, you know, right. I don't want to be, I don't want your respect. I don't care about your respect. So I'm just going to be mean and kind of one of those culture war Christians that just hates, you know, the world. No, we need to, we need to own the unpopular beliefs that we have. And if that makes us disrespected, that's a good reason to be disrespected because we're siding with Christ and we're, we're, we're faithful to the gospel. But a bad reason to be disrespected is that our tone and our posture is just kind of like a jerk. That's not a, that's not a good reason to be disrespected. Yeah. The final one is kind of getting at the the tendency to want to throw other Christians under the bus to gain uh, status. And so I'm recommending that we should actively cultivate love for fellow Christians. You know, we need to follow Christ's example and, and what he charged his own disciples to do, you know, in the Last Supper to love one another, you know. And he goes on to say, the world will hate you. It, it, it hate, hated me. So expect that. But you need to love one another. And I think he's getting at this dynamic of if we have any chance of kind of surviving the pressure and the temptations that, of this secular culture, we need to be focusing on loving one another internally as Christians, fostering unity, fostering, fostering the bonds of love. And that's going to help us resist this temptation to want to kind of just kind of throw each other under the bus for our own survival. And I'm wondering, the striving for excellence that you mentioned, uh, the first suggestion, uh, in one sense, if you're striving for excellence, could that possibly lead to respectability for, yeah, for having totally. that kind of orientation? It absolutely can, but what I say in the article is that's a byproduct, mm. but it's not motivation, right? You, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be excellent for the, the, the dangled carrot of respectability. Respectability may come, but it's just a byproduct of being excellent for the glory of God. Is there a scripture, uh, I think you've alluded to some, some biblical points, a, a scripture, something that might frame this whole discussion? Um, yeah, you know, I don't know that I mentioned it in the article, but I was, I often return, and, and my book, Uncomfortable, really centers on what Jesus says in several of the Gospels about, like, if you want to gain your life, you have to lose it, right? This, this reversal of our culture's priorities. And I think that idea, just reminding ourselves that like every loss in, in our life, if it's for Christ, you know, is a gain, right? And, and I talk about what Paul says in the end of the article about, you know, consider all losses as rubbish compared to the immeasurable gain of knowing Christ and being found in him in Philippians 3. So I just think that reframing of loss in, in the Christian outlook is so important for us because we can look at the loss of, of credibility and status and respect as a um, deficit, something that we don't like, or we could look at it as um, a good thing and, a, and as, a, as a gain because we're doing this, we're bearing this loss for the cause of Christ and for his glory. 
You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, Brett McCracken, senior editor for the Gospel Coalition and author of the piece we've been discussing, Beware the Corrosive Quest for Respectability. You can read it at thegospelcoalition.org. Coming up on tomorrow's program, it's Alan Noble on why even getting out of bed in the morning is a testimony of God's grace. When I choose to get out of bed, even when it's very hard, I communicate to the people around me that life is worth living, that life is fundamentally good and worth living because it's a gift from God. That's tomorrow at this same time, right here on His People. Thanks for listening. <laughs>